Listener Production. You are listening to episode 163 of the Howie Games Part B, featuring rugby league immortal Andrew Johns. On we roll. What was origin to you growing up? Not playing it. What was origin? Like we we in the southern states, we've had a few goes at state of origin, but I turn on origin every year, and it's it's the best sporting event in the year for me to watch. What was it to you? It just meant everything to me, and still means everything to me. I grew up watching Wally Lewis dominate origin. Five metres out, Lewis might run himself from dummy half. Will he test his strength? He does. He does. If there's a try, Paco, he's in. Lewis has created it again. And it used to drive me crazy. I would just be screaming, punching the wall. Right. Just because I hated it so much. And then, you know, I got the opportunity to play for my state. And, you know, in rugby league, it sits above the Australian jersey, playing for your state. And you probably saw me this year, the way I reacted after the game. I loved it. I loved it, mate. I thought it was fantastic. I'm sick of the bullshit that gets said that their jersey means more to them because they're from Queensland it means more to me. Your jersey doesn't mean more to me. Joe, can you put a finger on where you think it went wrong for you so fast tonight? That's a big moment. Yeah. That's a big moment. And now we have to listen to all the bullshit you just go on with for the next 12 months. Yeah. Drives you mad. Fuels the, fuels the rivalry, though. So that's what that's what you meant by what you're saying. For me, Joey, and I'm glad you brought it up, I work in sports television. Mm. That, that's my sports TV highlight of the mm. year because it illustrated the passion, mm. but you're long retired and you were well, I could not. It. I could not articulate it because I, my head was just about <laughs> to explode. And then we got on the panel and Fatty and Cameron Smith are talking about Queensland spirit and, honestly, I just... I wanted to scream and just, I just couldn't get the words out. That, you know, the bullshit and the narrative for 12 months is it means more to you guys than it does to us. And, you know, I kept, I'm sure I would have been hammered from pillar to post on social media. Thank God I'm not on that cesspit. But um, it just, that's what it means to me. It means everything to me. It means everything. And still does, obviously. Still does. Still think do, about it all the time. Do you have any? Um, I don't know. Are you? Uh, do you have memorabilia from your career? Do you have blues jumpers or anything like that? Or oh, I got them in the house somewhere, but mostly in storage. Right. So they're not strung up in the bedroom. No, no, no you didn't. No. You, you didn't strike me as that type. <laughs> no. Tell me about your your start to Origin. Obviously, it was a tough one for New South Wales. But what was it like for you? You've just described kicking the walls as a kid. Um, so that was in 95, so that's, you know, 18 months after I debuted. We come into a match that has been downplayed in many sections of the media, but somebody forgot to tell something like 40,000 that are here. They're waiting with great expectation for yet another clash, the 43rd clash between the two states, the Blues and the Maroons. And I thought I was ready. And we got beaten the first two games. I think the second game was in Melbourne. We had that big all-in brawl in yep. 95. Yep. Brawls have broken out. Hopawati. He might be in his first origin match, but Barnhill's involved. Well, we've seen plenty of this in origin. This is one of the best. Have a look at him. Throw them. Barnhill's let three go. He still hasn't found the mark. What about the manly teammates? Hopawati and Moore. 
reminds a bit of Beetson and Cronin back in the first ever one. Well, this has been the best thing. Barnhill and Billy Moore, they have thrown plenty. I thought I was ready, but the hardest lessons you learn is on the field. And I realised I got dropped for game three and I realised that I wasn't fit enough, I wasn't strong enough. Mentally, I wasn't strong enough. I didn't prepare well enough. You know, my diet wasn't what it was. I was drinking too much piss, out partying with mates. I had to pull my head in. And, yeah, that's what I learned. And then, so I got dropped for game three and it, it devastated me. But it taught me the lesson. And then lucky enough for the next year to get... Um, picked again and we won through nil. So that's 96, the 96 year we won through nil is right up there with some some of my fondest memories. And Johns goes scampering away. Mullins is on the outside of them. Queensland have got defence in amongst them. Eddinghausen, he comes from nowhere and puts it down. Another try. What a match. Yeah, what a match. And what a series. As... Uh, New South Wales eventually are able now to celebrate their clean sweep of the 96 series, winning this match by one point. So take me both sides of the coin. You grow up mad for state of origin. When you walk off after losing for New South Wales, what happens in the sheds? How's Andrew Johns feeling? I'm broken. Absolutely broken. 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 And... Yeah, generally the sheds is just it's like there's a death in there. Nothing said. Huh. And physically, you just physically you are that out on your feet. You just you know there's guys laying on the floor. Can't get up off the floor. But it's devastating. It breaks you because there's so much at stake, and there's so much at stake. And there's only three games. Then you got to live with twelve months of whether you win or lose, and you know that going. Should I have made that tackle? I didn't chase that guy hard enough. You know, if I kick that goal, we just manifest and just, you know, feeds that competitiveness and that monster inside you that just wants to get better. And how much of a step up is it in intensity, class, skill from typical premiership football to state of origin football? Light years. Is it really? It just never eases up. And if you walk or you take a rest or you relax for a second, you get found out. So you just got to be on the whole time. Physically, like that game three this year up at Suncorp, I think there was three blokes knocked out cold within the first five minutes. It's just like, this thing is just the most brutal game you can play in. But it is so addictive because it challenges challenges you on so many levels, physically, mentally, your toughness, your fitness, you know, your nerve, trying to, you know, wanting to get the game when the ball, when the game's on the line. It is just the ultimate uh, challenge for a rugby league player. How does it challenge you mentally? Well, when you're tired... You know, people talk about toughness, especially in our game. Toughness yes. isn't getting smashed in the face or punched in the face and breaking your nose and playing on. The real tough guys are when they, they're tired, just never walk. You know, in rugby league, if you walk, you get found out. So to be there's times when you just you cannot breathe, you, you cannot talk, but you've got to get to the threat. 
if you see a threat, you've got to sprint to the threat. And the strongest guys mentally, like in my position, when the game's on the line, and, you know, over the years, you rattle them off, Wally Lewis. Lewis to Jackson. Jackson, beautiful pass to carry out to Lewis. Oh, that's a magical try. Laurie Daly. Brad Fiddler. Now Fiddler. Fiddler will go there. Fiddler's there. The captain has got his second for the night. Kevin Munster. Munster. He is right hot. Here he is again. Darren Lockyer. When the game's on the line, they want to own the big moments and they want the ball. And there's only a few players every era who are like that. You know, Cameron Munster's like that at the moment. Yep. And for you, Joey, when you, as you said, you, you had no breath, you're exhausted and you had to run, what would push you to that point? Where would you take yourself to be able to do that? I just wanted to win. I wanted to <laughs> win for my jersey. I wanted to win for my teammates. I wanted to win for my family. I wanted to win for my state. And it was similar playing for Newcastle. You know, playing for Newcastle to represent the people where I grew up and how much they love rugby league and how they support their club and their players just meant everything. So we talked about losing a state of origin. What happens when you go into the sheds and you've won? You, you spoke about the next year. Crazy. It's just Is many. It? It's just mental. Mental, mental, mental. And they're, they're the best times. The best times are that five, ten minutes after a huge win and you're in the sheds with your teammates and it's just you, you guys and the coach. Now, before the media comes in, before family and friends come in, when it's just the 17 guys and the coach or the coaches and you're singing the song and you're looking at each other, that is that is the ultimate thing. Let's go back to um, club footy. Take me back to the 1997 season. For the Knights, what are your memories of the season? Um, I think I missed a fair chunk. I think I, so I busted my ankle in the the trial, so I missed half the year. So that was really tough watching it. But we had a really good side. We had a great crop coming through, and we had fourteen local juniors in the seventeen, and then. You know, we just kept building and building and building and then eventually we had a great rivalry with Manly, who were the yep. best team for during that period for three or four years. We're near unbeatable. I think the previous 13 times we played them, we hadn't beat them. And then on the big day, we got them in one of the most iconic grand finals ever. Prior to the big day, so you'd been banged up mm. a few weeks prior. Reading about it, three broken ribs, and it, did you have a punctured lung? Mm. Yeah. How far before the grand final was that? Like a couple of weeks. What happened? A week before. A week. Yeah, so, so it happened in the. So two weeks before the prelim or the major semi, yep. I got a scored a try and got a knee in the ribs, and I broke three ribs. And then I went to play the next week, and oh, I played the next week, and then I got crunched before half time. So at half time, I went to get some more painkillers, and the doctor went too far and. Pricked the, the lung. So I went back out. What do you mean he pricked the lung? Like in the halftime break? Yeah. What, with a needle? With a needle, yeah. So I go back out on the field. Jeez. And I'm just, 
feel like I'm going to collapse and this thing is, is vibrating my chest. I'm like, oh, something's happened in here. So I end up coming off. Yeah, well, it's interesting from Newcastle. They will never tell you the truth, but whether or not Malcolm really has one eye on a grand final next week and one eye on this game and leaving Andrew Johns off at half time, there's no doubt he is injured. It'll just be interesting to see how North Sydney react to the fact that he's not on the field. Will they take it as an insult that he's being rested or will they assume that he's injured and the game is as normal? Rushed to hospital and then we win the game and then I'm in hospital till Thursday, then get out and then we're playing the grand final on Sunday. Who decides whether you're good to go? Like at that stage, are the doctors and the and the coach, are they saying, oh, it's up to you, Joey, or no, how, no, how does that work? The right. doctors, the specialist I saw, but I was always going to play. There was no chance I wasn't going to play. So did he lay out any risks to you? I can't remember. I'm sure he did. At that stage, what was I, 23, 24? Yep. Thinks indestructible, carrying on like a knob, as you can imagine. <laughs> um, carrying on like a knob. And then... Uh, <laughs> And the same doctor had to needle me on the Sunday. So what did he do? What what was the – how many needles, where did he stick them and what did it do? I, I don't know which side. It was the left side here. Yeah. Probably – well, I had three busted ribs. It was probably an area as big as a, an orange where they had to, to deaden that area. But, mate, I don't blame the doctor. He's one of my great friends. He's still not one of my great friends. Treated all of us, all the players like his sons. So, you know. So, so your first grand final, they scored the first 10 points. They go in red-hot favourites. How, how are you keeping things calm on field when you're down 10-0 against a raging hot favourites in a grand final for a club that's never won a, a premiership either, by the way, Newcastle? Uh, well, our captain sort of set the, the tone, Paul Harrigan, the chief, and he's the one that kept us in the game. He was just smashing blokes. I remember before we went out, he said, for the game, he said, right, I'm going out to knock blokes out. Get on the back of me. Jesus. Harrigan, Carroll went for him. Carroll's hurt. He was revered. He's one of the great captains. Yeah. So he kept us in the game. He just kept smashing blokes, coming out of the line, just absolutely folding people in half. In front of this record crowd, the battle goes on for rugby league supremacy. And then... Off that, I think we, you know, we came back and scored a, a try or two, and then the confidence just grew. So, seventy-nine minutes in, um, I really enjoyed watching this last night. I watched the last five minutes, Joey, and I know you said you're not a man to look back, but uh, how long since you've seen that? <sighs> Be years. Go back, go back, and have a look because just as a sports fan, it's bloody amazing. So, t- take me through the last three minutes of the game if you will indulge me. I think we're just trading, trying to get in field position to do a field goal. My brother hits the post. Not a bad position here for Matthew Johns if he can just get some protection. Here's the shot. Gets the kick in. It looks, oh. It's on. No. Oh. Heavens above, it's Lions with the ball. Now Hopawati. Well, it was like time stood still there. 26 players, 42,000 people. Just stared at that white ball heading towards that goalpost and it's hit the upright. Unbelievable. I think Manly went down. They went close and missed by that much. Now, Newcastle might just get one more opportunity. Yeah, they can get six tackles in, but can they get field position? So then we finally get some field position and I'd 
get a field goal off, so a drop kick for goal, which is worth one point. Yep. And it gets charged down. Fifth tackle. This is it. End the charge. Andrew Jones. Here it is. Oh, knocked down by Manley. And then um, Darren Albert, the guy that scores the try, he, uh, he plays the ball. There's 20 seconds on the clock. Albert, he will play it. 21 metres away. So my great mate is on the short side, Mark Hughes. Yep. So I looked up at Mark and uh, John Hopperwhitey, big winger. He's infamous for doing that. Yes. Well, he was pointing yes. at my brother. I'm like, you're not, let, you're not doing that to my brother. I probably should have <laughs> let him. But all his, body ling- all his body language was he was going to chase Matthew to kick. So I sort of dummied, went down a short side. Down the blind, Andrew Johns. Inside for Albert. Albert will score. Albert will score. As I said, my great mate Mark Hughes was there. I dummied to him and then went inside to Darren Albert and the rest is history. It's just mental, crazy. Being there with your brother, like you've talked about, you're going to watch your old man and Cessnock. What's it like winning the first premiership for your football club but with your brother? Mm. Yeah, that was so special. And, look, I don't think I would have got where I was in the game without Matthew. Matthew is probably the Justin Langer, didn't have the talent that I had but just wanted it and worked, trained and just... You know, gave up, sacrificed so much. So dragged me along in that sort of precarious age of, you know, 16, 17, 18 when young guys can go off the rails. And, yeah, he's the one that sort of dragged me and, you know, I watched him and picked up his good habits and then he dragged me along and we trained, we trained hard and then, you know, that's sort of you get addicted to the burn, you get addicted to, you know, wanting to better yourself at this and this game. I'm not sure Australian sport in the football codes has seen a outpouring of emotion or a celebration that we saw in Newcastle. Again, there's a there's an hour of it on YouTube that I was looking at a couple of days ago. What what were the couple of days after? Like when you guys were in the I – I can't remember the name of the park in Newcastle, but you were, it was like one of those EPL scenes when the bus is going down and it's just people everywhere. And the crowd is going absolutely ballistic as they get closer to the Newcastle City Hall. What a great moment for the people of Newcastle. What were the celebrations like apart from large, Joey? I can't remember, funny enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, it just – that uh, Civic Park it was at, you know, the great Newcastle band, the Screaming Jets were playing. I reckon there was 30,000 there or something. Yeah. It was just crazy. It was just you, you see how much it meant to the town, how much it meant to the people. It was just, it was just crazy. And how do you push on after that? How do you continue after a high like that? Well, you just put it to bed after a while and then you start back training and then, you know, the competitive monster starts talking to you and saying, well, you know, 
you're going to be better than last year. You're going to improve on last year. You just, you know, great coaching, great mentors, great captains at the club. You know, if you're in a good system with good leaders and good coaches, you get dragged along. At this point, Joey, there's um, there's vision of you running out um, with red hair, dyed red hair, um, and this is up to you whether you want to talk about this or not. Yeah. When does mental health start to impact your your, your league career and your life? Is that a fair enough question? At that time, uh, I don't know whether it was a conscious thing, but. It was, it was a cry for help. And now the Newcastle Knights with a chief, Paul Harrigan. And I draw your attention to Andrew Johns. He will catch you by surprise. That is Andrew Johns like we have never seen before. I don't know what to say in reaction to the new look Andrew Johns. The Newcastle... Line- the red hair. Oh, the red hair. I was just... You know what? I was just... I was on this up and down, up and down. Um, How do you mean? Like one day I'd think I was going to be Prime Minister, the next day I couldn't get out of bed, this sort of stuff. And whether it was a cry for help, well, I, you know, looking back now it was, and then not after long after that I got diagnosed with being bipolar, which at the time was devastating, devastating. I was so ashamed of it because, you know, you're looking back, it's 25 years ago, no-one spoke about mental health. And if you did, you know, the stereotypes were you're weak, you're a nutcase or something like that. So it was a really tough time. But looking back, it was a great time because I went and got some help, got medicated and then was on a more even path for a time. What What is – I hear the term, but because I haven't suffered from it and I don't know anyone that has, close to me, What what is bipolar to you? Um. Well, it's a disease which could destroy my life and destroy relationships around me. Um, it's just, you know, it has destroyed relationships around me. It cost me my first marriage, which is just totally out of control. You just, as I said, one day you wake up and everything is bright. You got this and you got these ideas and you're going to do this and you train and, you, and then the next day I couldn't get out of bed just hating the world, didn't want to talk to anyone. It, um, and at the time, I didn't know what it was. I was like, I'm the only one living this life and this is horrible. I don't want to live my life like this. I can't live, I can't go on like this. And it wasn't until I put my hand up and got some help after the red hair incident that um, it put me on the journey of, of being better. And look, I, I still have my moments and still... Would would go to the dark side, um, but the older I got, I could manage it better. What's the dark side? Well, the dark side is drinking, drugs, out of control, not coming home for the three days, don't know where you've been, don't know what you've done, blackouts, Shit. living with that after that, that, that paranoia, especially... You know, being a high-profile sportsman in a rugby league mad town and you see someone during the week, they go, oh, what about you, Saturday night? It's like, what? You remember doing this? And it's just like... So then, you know, there'd be dark periods and you know, not wanting to go to training, struggling for motivation, that sort of stuff. What is the 
what does the alcohol or the drugs do? What, why is that a natural progression when you're struggling with afflictions like this? What do the substances or the alcohol do to... I don't know. It just heightens it. And then the lows, when I was low, I could handle the lows. You know, I could deal with them. Yep. But it's when I was up here, when I was high, is when I get into trouble and got into a lot of trouble because there's no control. And, you know, you could you could put in front of me, brother, you go out and you do this, you're going to do this the next couple of days, you're going to lose your contract, you're going to be on the front page of the paper for a week, you know, this might happen. You don't care. Huh. It's very hard to control. And, look, I'm not using that as an excuse. I take ownership no. from my behaviour. But it wasn't until I started to... You know, understand the source of it that I could under- try to control it. And how hard is it to get out the door of a morning when you're on the front page of the pa- – I said to you at the start, Joey, which I do with all my guests, I don't want to ask you anything that's going to get you on the front page of the paper. And you said, oh, mate, I don't give a shit. I'm, I'm, I'm used to that. You were, very, you were very candid with me. What is life like when you are that person, when you're the biggest uh, – athlete, let's be honest, in the country and you're on the front page of paper for negative things. Yeah, the shame, it's its hard to put into words, the shame and the embarrassment. And not only the shame you bring on yourself but your family, it, um, yeah, it can be quite difficult. It's, it's horrible. A little back now, they were horrible. You know, some of the best times, but there was a, some tiny bits in there were just such a horrible time, which I brought on myself, not blaming anyone else. It was my fault, but, uh, yeah, there were some dark times. Last question for you on that, purely in relation to your athletic pursuits, what happens when you wake up on a morning feeling shit and it's game day or big game day and you don't feel like you want to get out there? How did you overcome that? Well, pretty much once I got to the game, I could snap out of it. But there's times definitely where I wake up and just like, I don't want to play today. Just don't, I don't want to leave the house. Then once you get to the game and you're around your teammates, you know your responsibilities, especially when you're at home and there's a full crowd. Um, but it'd be di- it was difficult. It didn't happen too many times, but, you know, for me that was the ultimate, getting out there and playing. You know what? That was my safe place. It's like the ocean. When I'm out in the surf, it's safe. I feel like that the footy field was my safe place. And the value of people of your profile talking about um, mental health, uh, Joey, which has been, I think, one of the great contributions from sports stars in the last 10 years to really be open to talk about it. So the average punter on the street can listen to it and think, wow, if if someone like Joey Johns has gone through this, then, then I can have a crack at tackling it as well. For those that are listening that can relate to what you're talking about, what would you say to them? Well, go and talk to your, your loved ones about it and go talk to your doctor. You know, even now it's I find it uncomfortable talking about it. It's, it's one of those uncomfortable conversations you've got to have. But when you're on the road to being healthy and we spoke about well-being, you know, waking up in the morning and being clear and not having any of that paranoia or the shame or the embarrassment, life is just so good. But my life at the moment, the last four or five years of my life, it just it is just the best I've felt, you know, I've got a young family and it's just, you know, having that, that well-being and the stability, 
is this is just so why I want to live my life for the rest of my life. And you know, I look back at so many great times in my footy career, but I was times when I was just totally out of control. And you know, I think back to those. That's what on the field I've no regrets, but off the field I got to you know I got to live with some of the shit I've done. I'm really glad to hear that you're in such a, a good place. More of Andrew Johns shortly. Last year, we launched the Artist Series Crossing Over Creativity and Sport, and your reception was fantastic. You all seem to really like it. So, Artist Series 2 is back. Another series with some very talented people who love their sport. TV stars, rock stars, radio stars, writers, singers, actors, plenty more. The first episode of the new Artist Series drops next Tuesday, so there is some serious listening coming your way. I love the new Artist Series episodes. I hope you do too. This is some of the gear coming your way from Tuesday. Oh, how are you? You're doing a marvellous job there, uh, young Howie. I've got a couple of notes for you. You've improved in a couple of areas, but uh, anyway, is there a toilet around here? It was so exciting shaking hands with Mother Teresa that we took a security guy with us and he passed out. (laughs) (laughs) I'd fallen off a cliff, basically. I was unemployed. And I really, really struggled with it. But then probably once I found media, I found that I was good at it and I had this work ethic from footy. But I'd also learned a really valuable lesson that it's actually okay if it doesn't work out. About four or five overs into my spell called me for throwing. So you can imagine how embarrassing this is. I've made my debut, I'm making history, and I then go and tarnish it by effectively not knowing how to bowl. What's the point in wrapping yourself up in cotton wool if you're not living? You know, yeah, you could be safe, but I kind of arrived at the point that life, you know, is for a short time and you really should squeeze as much as you can out of that bad boy. I will sit there somewhere over the summer in the back of a crowd having a beer, watching you perform. You'll be side stage. Come on, don't try to fool them. I'm side stage. I'll take that. <laughs> that is the second Howie Games Artist Series. It will be in this feed on the Howie Games. It starts next Tuesday. Alrighty, let's get back to Joey. I want to ask you about one more uh, game, 2005, Game 2 Origin, described as one of the greatest individual performances of all time. Uh, You'd been out for a long time. I I know you've played a lot of games of footy, but I'm sure this is one that you can remember and can recall. Tell me about that game of Origin football. People... When I, I spoke to a few mates in Sydney, I said, oh, I'm, I've got the privilege of speaking to Joey Johns. Firstly, they couldn't believe it. And the second one was, mate, you got to ask him, got to ask him, got to ask him about Game 2 Origin uh, 205. So the previous year, I tore my ACL. So I was out for 12 months for the ACL. Came back and lost all my confidence. First time. First time out in the field, I was scared. I was scared of, of doing my knee again. I was having nightmares about it. So anyway... I ended up breaking my jaw at a head clash. So I was out for about two months, eight weeks, two months or so, maybe a bit more. So anyway, we found out about this place in the Queensland, Queensland Institute of Sport, which were rehabbing knees. They specialised in it. Now, this is now this is a long time ago where, mm. where now it sort of happens. But it was uh, groundbreaking at the time. So I, I actually went up to Brisbane pretty much for six weeks and did the most intense training and got my body right. Look, my knee wasn't right when I came back. It just, I didn't have the mind, you know, the, it just wasn't balanced out. 
It's the hardest training I've ever done and I was away, so I was just so focused. And for that six weeks, I'm watching footy and I'm like, I've got to get back to that level. I've got to get back. And then I never thought I'd get to play for my state again. I thought I'd never get back to that level. Um, So when Ricky Stewart called me for game two, I had no doubts in the world. Physically, I was so fit. I was probably the fittest I've ever been and and because I'd been away and was totally just committed, everything was around getting back. Mentally, I was just as strong as I'd ever been. So... Yeah, it was it was a great time. Going anywhere, Johns. He rifles the ball away, and it's gone from Cooper and gone to Gaznia. Gaznia's got Cooper on his inside. He passes. He's away, Cooper. But Johns again. Johns is dominating. And one of the great performances on the track, and and a win for your for your Blues. Big win. I just yeah, I can just remember coming off that field and just just the. The reward I felt was just all that hard work. And then we went up there with the game on the line and we beat them by 30 up in Brisbane. Now, winning in Origin is special. The winning in Origin series up there in Queensland, that's that's winning. What's the silence like when you walk off, when when you've knocked over the Queenslanders at home? You know what? (sighs) They're well-educated in rugby league. Yep. So if you play well, even though they hate you, I think they appreciated it. <laughs> and, yeah, it wasn't too bad. Before the game and during the game, it's, you know, it's a lot of things are said. <laughs> but, yeah, sort of after the game, it wasn't too bad. Before we get to the uh, you retiring from footy, Joey, I was at all places last week at the Big Bash League Draft. Right, and it's the first time they've done it, and they've got these platinum players, and uh, they're talking about you know blokes coming and playing, and Liam Livingston going number one for the Renegades, and it's all this show. And someone there said to me, "I've had the pleasure of working on the Big Bash for maybe ten years now, and it's very close to my heart." And someone said, "Do you remember years ago when it first started off when it was state versus state, and Joey Johns was playing for New South Wales in cricket?" And I was like, I do remember that. So, so like, you, do you watch the Big Bash now and think, hey, hey, I, I was a part of this early doors, which is bloody extraordinary you when you think about think, it. What was I doing? Third <laughs> ball for Joey Johns. It's on the stumps. Oh, he's got a single. Yeah, hands up to Mark Andrew Johns. Oh, they love him out here. How did it come to pass? Uh, well, man, my manager at the time, the late, great John Fordham's, Obviously, he had some relationships with cricket. And 2020 was in its infancy. So I didn't know how I was going to go. So the first game was in Newcastle. So I suppose I needed a gimmick or get some free promotion or advertising for it. So they asked me to play. And I said, yeah, I'll play. Who was it against? Uh, South Australia. (laughs) Yeah. South Australia. So two days before it, well, the day before, my best mate, Danny Badiris, gets married. So for two days, I'm on the piss. This is in the off-season. And then I turn up to the games hungover. And I was really out there. We fielded first. 
I'm just, once again, I'm thinking, how do I get myself in these situations? You, you'd obviously played cricket as a I kid. I played cricket, eh? oh, yeah. Yep. But hadn't played for years and years. I absolutely loved cricket, loved it. And um, so eventually I go into bat with about an over to go and we need six runs to win. Simon Kadish is down the non-strikers end. I don't know who's bowling. I, I thought it was Sean Tate, but someone said it wasn't Sean Tate. Anyway, he said to me, whatever you do, don't look behind you, says Rana. So I'm at the non-strikers, so obviously I turn around. 50 metres back, the Terminator's coming in, so that just <laughs> whoosh, lets it go. <laughs> Simon Cadditch, I couldn't even see it. And obviously I'm hung and I'm out there and shouldn't be out there. <laughs> so I called him down and said, mate, you're either hitting a four or a six, I'm not running. There's no chance I'm facing him. <laughs> So then we played that game. We got beat by a couple of runs. And then the next week we played Tasmania down at Stadium Australia and I ended up getting a bat and getting a couple of runs. Ben Hilfenhouse came in. So when I went out to bat, everyone's cheering and laughing and carry on in the crowd. So fast bowls mean fast bowls. I think he was pissed off. So Andrew Johns will take strike to Ben Hilfenhouse, the Australian 2020 representative, the newest representative for Australia. Andrew Johns. Well, he so he comes in and I block one and he said, the next one's coming at your head. So I sort of went back and hit it over slips. But, yeah, frightening, terrifying being out there. Oh, well, it's picked up by the top. Will it be out? It is out. So that comes to an end. A very good innings for Andrew Johns. Did you have a trundle as well? I did, actually, and Dan, uh, Dan Christian, yep. he dropped me. Off your bowling. It was a catch dropped. He dropped me, yeah. I was bowling nudes, right oh. on nudes. <laughs> it's, I would have never thought Ash about that except someone brought it up at the draft and it's become such a big thing, T20 cricket. Um, extraordinary involved. What was your last professional game of rugby league and how did you feel walking off the track? Well, my last game was in 2007. Round one, we played the Bulldogs and Sonny Bill Williams hits me and hits me that hard and knocks me out for like about 20 minutes. Jeez. So then I didn't play for about three weeks after it. And, I look, after he hit me, that was in first game of the year, I'm, I'm like, I think I'm done. Then I end up playing one game again uh, about round four after being out for two or three weeks against Canberra and we got beat down there, but, mate, I was... And then the, that week I got a little bump at training and then yeah, the neck, they scanned my neck. I got all that pain in my right arm. They scanned the neck and I pretty much just said that's it. And then what What happens then when you've lived this life of living your dreams and being the man? Like what happens the week after, the month after, the six months after, the year after? Oh, it was tough. It was really tough. And you hear stories about... Players and um, you know, men and women retiring from professional sport it is. Yeah. I, I thought I was ready because after about three months, four months, I went to the Mentowies with my mates surfing for a month. Just like how good. And you know, I'm one of the lucky ones. I got paid in full for a year, so off living it up. But then uh, when I got home, all reality set in. I just didn't have the structure. I didn't have the discipline, the routine. Um, you know, from the age of 18, I went into a system. I, I, I call it being institutionalised. Mm-hmm. Where I got a piece of paper every week and said, this is where you have to be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. This is where you have to wear. This is when you can eat. 
This is when you can have a drink. This is when you can do this. And then I went into this, everything was finished. And look, I'm one of the truly lucky ones. I went into commentary and was getting you know, paid a fair whack to do that. But I was just so lost, absolutely lost, I reckon, for two years. And it was, it was really, really hard. How do you replace that? That competitive challenge, that joy of success, must be a hard thing to replace as a as a normal human, for want of a better term, Joey. Well, surfing was a massive outlet. Yeah. Um, but you cannot replace that feeling. And I spoke about that five minutes coming off the field after you win with your teammates who you love and your coach who you just, you know, would do anything for. And then it's all gone and you you got all this energy and once again you can put it in the right way or you can go down that dark side and I was yeah it was uh, it was really 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 tough and a dark period because I had disposable income and there was no rules you know I was working on the footy and that was Friday weekends so from Monday to Friday I didn't have hardly anything gone no disposable income, so, yeah, not good. Do you enjoy the commentary? I do now. I hated it to start with. I hated Why? Oh, I just, I was hopeless at it. I'd get so nervous. And, you know, it'd be, I knew what I had to say, but the messages getting from there to there just weren't coming out right. And I think it was probably a byproduct also, the lifestyle I was living. Um, but then I think... You know, I thought about it and I thought, you know what, treat it like you did when you're playing footy. So, you know, I watch every game. So I'd sit at home and I'd start sort of commentating at home, just going from there. But once the nerves went away, I think it became a bit better. But now now I love it. I'm, I feel so privileged to be able to do go and talk about a game I love and get paid to do it. But, yeah, I love it been very privileged on this show a few years ago now to have Ray Warren. Oh, yeah. A- and he blew me away. What what was it like sitting next to the big man when he is in full swing? Well, it's, it's like sitting next to God. You know, his voice. <laughs> I grew up with his voice. Yeah. Calling all the big moments in the footy games I'd be watching, but then calling the big moments in your life. And... I remember the first time I heard him swear, it was just, oh, Rab swears. How good is that? <laughs> but, no, it was, uh, it was such an honour to sit beside him and I had a really good relationship with Rab. such a good fella. Um, got a couple of good mates who were uh, horse trainers and jockeys, so during the call he would lean over and hit his mute button and say, your mate Chris Lees has got two in tomorrow. Find out how they're going. <laughs> but, no, it was just... Like his voice, he's a voice of a generation, and whether in rugby league or swimming or, or horse racing. I'm lucky enough to work at Fox Sports for the last four or five years, um, and I don't cross over with your brother, but um, he's, let's be honest, um, he's the star of the show. He's the star of the show at Fox Sports. I think alongside um, Shane, who's obviously not with us any longer, your brother's the star of the show. I know my boss, Steve Crawley, loves him. Mm. More than he loves anyone else that works for him, Crawls. I don't think it might be saying that. Can you believe your brother grew up 
that you grew up with is a genuine, <laughs> he's a TV star. He, he, he is the man. No, I can't believe it. I can't believe <laughs> it. And he's shown, man, I'm really proud of him because he's so creative and puts so much work and it just, you know, it's not a fluke. He just doesn't turn up and the magic happens. You know, he puts a lot of work and a lot of thought into it, very creative and, yeah, really proud of him. Does he make you laugh when you watch him on the telly? Yeah, even when he's taking the piss out of you, which is every week. <laughs> which he does fairly regularly, it must yeah. be said. <laughs> so what do you reckon, um, what's next for you in the next sort of period of your life? You seem happy and you seem healthy, and we spoke about medicinal cannabis and leaven at the start, which has obviously given you a, a real opportunity to move forward. Like, what, If I spoke to you in 10 years, Joey, and I said, oh, what have you done over the last 10 years? What would you like those answers to be? Um, well, a big passion of mine at the moment, I'm back at the Newcastle Knights helping out, doing some yes. consultancy, and it's a really tough period and the, the club has really been struggling for a long time. So hopefully educating the, the young juniors coming through there. We have a very big, we're a development club, so we have a lot of juniors coming through so helping identify the best young players and helping uh, coaching them to be the best they can and getting the Knights back winning, it's, that's, that's a big focus for me and, you know, we still get big crowds and, you know, the team's not performing. So I think that would be really rewarding. I think being the best father I can, the best partner I can be, um, getting plenty of waves, staying healthy, being able to train and just that self of well-being. Do your kids ask you about your rugby league career or they just love you as as a dad and that's it to them? Um, my older boy's he, he's got no interest. He's a computer nerd. Um, the 13-year-old boy, he that's what he wants to do. So that's why it's, I'm so happy I can get out and we can train and pass the ball and kick the ball. I can show him how to kick. And he's obviously asking me questions constantly about it. Um but I'm very conscious that he's his own man. You know, I go watch him play and I stand away. And, you know, it can be quite difficult. I hate to think the pressure he's going to be under mm-hmm. moving forward. Um, and no, I don't really look back that much about what's happened. What did it mean to you being named as an immortal? Um, when I was named, it was only eight in 100 years. Yep. Oh, damn it. Um, you can be indulgent for this one. You, you, you have talked yourself down. Yeah, I just I get quite emotional thinking about it. You know, coming from a rugby league family in a rugby league town, I just, I know it meant so much to everyone who helped me along the way and my family. I don't want to get emotional. I don't want to cry. Oh, I, I don't want you to cry either, but it's great to see that you are emotional. Um to be bestowed such a enormous honour. Mm. But you mentioned your family. With you, you didn't talk about what it meant to you. It was just it meant so much for your family. I don't like to think about what it means to me. I had, I, yeah, it's funny. I, that person I played is gone because yep. you know, everything we spoke about during that time and, and how uh, sort of destructive I could be at that time. So that, that's gone for me. 
We have a lot of kids listening to this show, Joey, that want to achieve success as you have in their chosen field, whether it's in sport, the arts, science, literature, whatever it may be, from the experiences, the vast experiences you've had in your career and being a father, you would understand the importance of this question. What advice would you give to the youngsters listening to this episode that want to have success in their life? Just the harder you work, the luckier you become. No substitute for hard work. And the person that works hard, character and hard work will always beat talent in the long run. You said to me right at the start as we got going, you've never done a podcast before and you don't typically look back. And you said you, you don't think there's enough decent interviewers out there, which really got me nervous early. You had the mental edge over me. What's it been like to reflect, mate? It's been fun. Normally I'll pay about $200 to do it. Are you on the couch, you reckon? Yeah. <laughs> Mate, I will leave you to it. Thank you so much for joining me on the Howie Games. Hopefully I get to meet you in person at some stage, but people will be blown away by this. Um, Levin Health is the reason you're here. As we said, people need to have a chat with their doctor if they think medicinal cannabis can help them. I'm so glad it's done so much for you. I really appreciate your time and it's been a real thrill for me. Thank you so much, Joey. Cheers, mate. After never having met Joey prior to this chat, I thought he was absolutely brilliant. It was really cool to have the opportunity to talk to him. And the thing I loved the most was that he was more than happy to share his experiences, both good and bad, to help others. Thank you, Joey. Thanks also to Mark Brayshaw from Levin Health for making this episode possible. And congratulations time. A massive congrats to MJ, who recently proposed to Laura and got a yes. And old mate Das, who got engaged to Jane. Discounted Howie Games merch will be available at both weddings. What else could you want on the big day? <laughs> well done, fellas. Don't forget, next Tuesday, the launch of the Howie Games Artist Series number two. Then Thursday, marathoner Jess Stenson. Bang! Until then, peace and love. And we can do it if we try, try, try. If we try, try, try If we try, try, try